see you at all. What do you look like? Maybe if I maybe if I turn off this chat. Hey, there you are. Hi, Matt. I can see you now. Okay, good. Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. I know it lots matter. of Matt. I know lots of Matts. That's that's why I I I, I said that because believe me, I know a lot of Matts. I know at least five, and they all say Matt. None of them are Matthews. Well, I forgot what country you said you were from. I grew up in Washington D.C. Actually, oh, so, so I'm from America. America. I am, but I'm I'm currently living in Prague, Czech Republic. My wife is Czech. I thought so because I couldn't. I was thinking, no, wait a minute. I know it's not Germany. It's, it's very it's, close, it's, though. But wait a minute, Czechoslovakia isn't Czechoslovakia anymore, is it? Correct. It's been split. It's been split into the Czech Republic and Slovakia, two separate countries. But it's the same geographical area. Oh yeah, I knew that, but I, I just I don't really keep up with things too much. I mean, for all I know, they might have got since the last time I remember somebody talking to somebody. It was the way it is now, but you, you know, all kinds of things can happen in twenty years. They they might get back together. You know, I mean, who knows? I live here, and I can tell you, they will not get back together. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, they, yeah, no, they don't. But also, it has a history now, so like that history is sort of Nazis, World War Two, all this kind of stuff. So like they, they don't want they want to move forward. My friends that made the movie. I mean that movie makes. I hope you didn't. You didn't see it, did you? I must admit, I saw the trailer and I saw some interviews. I mean, recommend it to everybody because because they're my closest friends, and and he won an Emmy, you know. Really? Yeah, they're my closest friends in the world because I don't have any close family because because there's lots of negative things in them. <laughs> you know. But look, you know, I let them have their way because, and you know. You don't want somebody to make a movie about themselves because it'd be like if a politician made a movie about themselves, right? Propaganda. Yeah, right. No, so so there's lots of negative things in it because because I didn't make the movie. I let them have their way. I let them have their way. I have to admit, I've read many little articles and snippets about you, and I totally understand like some people's negative perspectives on things that you've done. But I'm not one of those people. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, sure, I knew that. Yeah. Tell me when we get started and I'll behave better. Oh, actually, I've been recording this whole time. Oh, okay, okay, okay sure, sure. Sometimes these random conversations are the most fun. It's been so long since I did that last one. I guess we must have done it on the PC, but it, we didn't do video, though. It was all, it was all talking. You know, maybe I had a landline in those days. Could it have been done on, on a landline? Certainly, yeah. Maybe maybe that was, I don't know. Well, your memory really starts to let you down when you get old. How old are you these days? 66. Oh, you're not that old. Yeah, but I look older. Everybody says so. <laughs> I got away with, yeah, you know, at the airport, that this guy asked me if, if I was 76, you know? Uh, well, the first time they asked, I said no, and then I thought about it, and then the next time I was on a trip, and 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 an official asked me, you know, it, it, this is like when you're going through security and everything, you know, 
and some guy came up to me and asked about 76. And so, because I, I had some time to think about it, and I thought, I mean, what would they do to me, you know? And and so I said, I said I, I was, yeah. They'll give you special treatment if you are. Well, well, no, no, I just didn't have to go through as much. I got into another line, and I didn't have to do a lot of things. They pretty much rushed me through. And that special treatment. Yeah, yeah. In an airport. Yeah. So anyway, I got away with it. It's fabulous. I look forward to getting away with it when I get older. Well, yeah, but I mean, but I don't, you know, it depends on whether you look older than you are. You know. Uh, I, I think these days I probably look my age yeah. like at, at this point. But I know, but there is a time, like I, I look at my parents and like there, there is a time where I will suddenly start not, I will look much older. <laughs> yeah, I went to school and watched Western Junior High School. It's called West Ham Middle School now. It was in Bethesda Chevy Chase. Oh yeah? I saw you were born in Norfolk. Yeah, right. But, but, but we, I grew up in Europe. You can look it up later if you want to. It, it used it's called Westland Middle School, but you, it, when when I was there, it was called Western Junior High, and I painted a mural. Is it still there? I've got some snapshots. Hey, I'll send them to you, okay? Sure. Because I got to go to the Washington D.C. Film Festival. Yeah, I went to Washington twice to do Q and A's with the movie, and anyway, I wanted to go to find find out if it was still there. The Philistines tore the wall down. Sadly, it happens, yeah. Yeah, I painted it in 1969, I remember. But I've got some snapshots. It was, it was. oh, listen, 1969, okay, okay. It was in the library, okay. Well, I don't know whether libraries have changed much since you were, but, but you know, it had, it had the, the checkout desk and they had the clock up above, you know. And anyway, on the wall, okay, I had the march of time okay i started out like with I, I i can't remember how it started i may have started out with a caveman but i'm not sure but i remember doing greeks and romans and things and always some egyptians anyway it goes all the way across the wall okay and and i i did it i centered it so that the figures were all the same i mean the same number and then hey guess what the last figure was marching confidently towards the future remember okay think 1969 right spaceman Right, right. It's got an astronaut, you know, kind of walk. You can see his foot sticking out. He's walking towards. Certainly. Painted to get out of gym. Yeah, I stood up there and I, I painted that mirror. I just Philistines remodeled. Well, now I got a nice letter from the from the current principal saying she was sorry, but she wasn't there. She said I was. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't start here until I don't know twenty. Well, or something like that. You know, she said it, it probably happened sometime in the early 90s. What was your childhood like? What did your parents do? Like, how did you even get creative? Was it some good teachers? Was it some influence of your parents? Oh, yeah, I can, that's easy. Yeah, that's one thing. You, you get time to, to practice, and so you can answer it smoothly. You know what I mean? It's easy. Because, okay, what happened was, okay, I grew up in Europe in the 60s, okay? And we didn't have TV. The only place that we had TV was in London from 66 to 67, okay? And mother and dad liked to travel. They were young. They were an attractive couple. 
and fashionable and and dad was so good looking and dad was a, a naval officer but he was a communications officer for the seventh fleet uh, so i grew up in europe okay and, and mother and dad used to like to you know when dad was on leave they'd like to travel right travel around europe you know just like anybody you know i remember dad, dad bought a new but I remember going with him to the factory to pick up his, that was one of the perks of being in the Navy, you know. And so he, he got a, a, a new 1962 Mercedes right from the factory. I mean, he went to the factory to pick it up, you know. Nice. And, I mean, you know, it was probably for like cost or something, you know, because that was one of the perks of being in the Navy, you know. And anyway, but I remember, well, oh, that has nothing to do with it. Okay, mother and dad used to like to make trips, and they take me with them, right? Um, uh, sometimes, a lot of the time, okay. And during the day, we do what tourists do, you know, go to the museums and, and that sort of thing, right? And, and then, of course, in the evenings, mother and dad would like to go out because they were still young. And I'd be alone in a hotel room, and we didn't have TV, right? But we had the leftover catalogs from the museums we went to, you know, like if we went to the Uffizi, like if we were in Florence and we picked up, you know, because, because, I mean, tourists do that, right? You pick up the a handbook or something from the museums, right? And so I had those and I started copying pictures out of them. And that's how I got started. Mother, mother didn't like martyrdoms, but she liked Madonnas and Childs. As most mothers do. When I was going through mother's things after, you know, I found some really, some really good drawings I did of Madonna's and Child's. She saved those. They got, oh, gee, that made me cry. It made me, actually, yeah, it made me make a scene. But fortunately, this scene was private, you know, so it didn't matter. But, hey, that was a good answer, wasn't it? And it's true, too. It's just polished, though, because I'm used to answering it. There is no need to be polished with me. This is just a conversation. I'm an artist. I'm a professor. Like You're an artist. Well, the last one I remember was something to do with somebody that... Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> he wasn't as nice as you. He was nice, but, he, but a couple of times he kind of he kind of lectured. But anyway, that was a while ago. So, okay, go ahead. Yeah. I am not going to lecture you, I promise. Oh, yeah. well, I wasn't worried about that because this isn't about the same things. Well, our paths almost crossed at some point, not literally, but we went to the same school. You went to the San Francisco Art Institute. Oh, you went to the San Francisco Art Institute? I did, yeah. I was supposed to go there and show the movie, and um, I was going to do a Q&A. I was going to get to be king for a day. Christopher Coppola was going to was going to be there with me and we were going to show the movie and, and I was going to have a reunion because because one or one or two of the people still were teachers there still remembered me and and there was a there was a student a, a friend that he's still in San Francisco he was going to be there and he went there we used to go skateboarding on those hills and then and then of course the pandemic hit you know so they canceled everything right well and the San Francisco Art Institute lost all of its support yeah, they went down. They're, they're, I think they, I think they, I get, I mean, you know, because the librarian writes me all the time. He, he wants, wants me to come back. It's not like open for like people don't go there for class, but I think they're still having class. But anyway, yeah, he's, 
he he opened up an artist file for me too, which was real nice. Yeah, he's been really good to me. He still wants me to come back. Oh, gee, why do we start talking about that? San Francisco Art Institute. I guess I inter I interrupted you. That's what I did. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm Matthew. Matthew. Do you like Matt or Matthew? <laughs> Whatever's fine with you is fine with me. It's just that I know a lot of Matts. I just don't let, just don't call me anything derogatory, and I'm perfectly fine. Oh no, fine. no, no! But I, I don't know why. But from your email, I thought you were you were from whatever country, and I, it's awful that I forgot. Well, you know, you said Czechos. Did you say Czechoslovakia? No, I said Czech Republic. Oh, okay, good. And so, what is what is the other one called? It's, is it Slovakia? Correct. The Re, the Republic of Slovakia. Nope, just Slovakia. Or, oh, shoot, maybe they are the Republic of Slovakia. I, <laughs> I just call them Slovakia. I don't know. The workers' paradise of the People's Democratic Republic of... what Did it used to be called Czechoslovakia when it was under... So it was called the People's Democratic Republic of Czechoslovakia, the workers' paradise, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Well, you know, my friends... Jennifer and Sam for Christmas gave me a subscription. Well, they gave me a lot of things, but they gave me a subscription to the Criterion channel. And so I've watched a really, a lot of really good Czechoslovakian movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from that time period, absolutely. There was a director, the one that made those those kind of animated movies. I mean, they're fantastic. Like he made The Adventures of Baron Moon. Cows and but this is the sixties one, the nineteen sixty four one, okay? Well that's Terry Gilliam. No, he was in he was in the commentary. This guy's oh what was it called? What was his name? Um they're the they're the best movies. It was called The Fabulous Baron Munkhausen or something. And then he made another one about the about uh, from a Jules Verne story. Oh, what was that one called? See, I can't remember anything. And you know, the awful thing is, I, I, I watched that movie like five times or something when they sent it to me. I mean, I was doing things, you know. But Well, let's get to your doing things. Oh, sure. So, yeah. So you, you're traditionally, or well, not traditionally, but like your career sort of built on the fact that you, you've been making work, you've been making artwork and have been donating it to museums and institutions over the course of your life for many years. The way that happened was, one, to impress my mother, you know. See, when Jennifer and Sam decided to make, wanted to make the movie, you know, when they came here, they were thinking they were going to meet somebody like it's kind of like it's kind of like a lot of TV plots you've seen, you know. Only they, they got the wrong one, you know. They were expecting to meet to meet the guy, like on that Perry Mason episode. Uh, well, a couple of them. You remember where we're like we're like they denied my genius. Ugh, now I'm gonna have my revenge. Or that that one where where Perry Mason tricked that guy, the the painter, into you know when Perry Mason said, "Well, yes, of course." Now this painting here was painted by a hack, you know, and stuff like that. He tricked him into confessing on the stand, you know, he goes, what do you mean I'm a hack? I'm a, I'm a G, and, and, and of course, and of course, and then, you know, Perry Mason said, you know, then he said like the other one, he said, now this was created by a genius 
and stuff like that, you know. But uh, I forgot which one was that. But anyway, they got the plot wrong. You know, I'm the one where, oh, gee, gee, Miss Kitty, I told Pappy back in St. Louis that I was the marshal of Dodge City. What am I going to do? And, and, and Miss Kitty says, oh, listen, Chester, I'll talk to, talk to man. So everybody pretends that, that Chester's the marshal, right? Or like the same thing happened like with Gruber on McHale's Navy, you know. Gee, I, I told mom I was the commander of PT. What was it? PT7? What was it? What was it? 60? I forgot the name. What was the PT on McHale's Navy? I know the show, but I do not know the PT. You know, you've, you've seen that a hundred times, right? It's a standard. It's one of the standard plots, right? Oh, mm -hmm. oh, gee, gee, Mr. Cartwright, uh, dad's, well, he didn't, I don't think he told Mr. Cartwright. I think he told little, I think he told Haas. He said, oh, I said I own the Ponderosa and now they're coming here. What am I going to do? And, and and little Joe says, well, I, he, I, it seems like he told little Joe. Anyway, uh, well, look, uh, don't worry about it. Okay, we'll, we'll think of something, you know. And so everybody pretends. How many times have you seen that plot? Far too many times. A lot. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, anyway, I just wanted Mother to think I was doing well, you know. And I got the idea from watching Mrs. Drysdale on the one where she was going to have the, the Margaret Drysdale Museum. <laughs> and, and, and anyway... And I, I got, I want to impress mother by memorializing dad, you know, and show up that I was doing well and that kind of thing. And so I donated a picture. If that museum had just said, thanks a lot. See ya. But, but they treated me like royalty. They were really, I'd never been treated so nicely in my life. I was used to being. I was lucky if I got treated with common civility. To be treated like that all of a sudden, I thought, gee, I got addicted to it. It could happen to anybody, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so, so naturally I kept doing it. If that museum had just taken the picture and said, okay, thanks a lot, you know, I never would have done it again probably. But I got used to being treated like, like a VIP, like royalty. I liked it a lot. I got addicted. And it, it really gave my self-esteem a boost, you know. Poor self-esteem got me where I am. So that's how it happened, yeah. Did that answer the question you asked? I forgot what the question was. It certainly, yes, it oh, was good. lovely. <laughs> but yeah, it could happen to anybody, yeah. Well, I mean, that nature of desiring appreciation and whatever respect or any other kind of word you want to put to it. I mean, this is something that all artists. It's very common. Everybody's like that. Everybody wants that about no matter what they do. I mean, they could be a good what janitor and you want that. You could be a great artist and you want that. It doesn't matter. Everybody appreciates praise. Yeah, but everybody wants to be treated like a VIP. Is your mother still alive? No, mother's been gone. That's why I was talking about finding those Madonna pictures. No, mother's been gone, gone for 11 years. Actually, that's kind of what happened. That's kind of one of the reasons I got into trouble was because she spent money on this expensive car and, and she never got to drive it. 
She just walked in and bought, bought a new Cadillac for oof, a lot of money, $40,000 or something. And, and then she couldn't drive it because they took away her insurance. It wouldn't insure her anymore. And anyway, and then mother, and then, and I was real upset. And I thought, well, after I kind of recovered, I thought, we're going to get some use out of this car. That's why that car shows up so much in the movie and everything. And I thought, we're going to get some use out of this car. So I, I loaded it up with, with lots of pictures and, and drove to a lot of museums as a benefactor and a philanthropist. And I got treated like, like royalty. And, and with extra respect too, cause I was, cause I, cause I got to be a, be a Jesuit priest. And we'll come back to all that. But but my first sort of interest is like you have a great talent for, for making, you know, visual arts. Well, thanks a lot. I hardly ever sold anything. And then when I did, mother forgot to give me that's one of the conversation pieces I I pull out when because of the hurricane, mother forgot to give me a check for oh my goodness, I think it was it was a lot, five or six hundred dollars or something. Well, I found a couple of galleries in New Orleans, I remember. Have you ever been to New Orleans? I have. Oh, okay. Well, I walked up and down Royale Street, I remember. I had a pack of four by six photographs in my jacket pocket. And then I had a briefcase because, and, and I did it real well. The, First of all, I, I you know I asked them, and before they had a chance to, to get mad, I I pulled it was it was a kind of a carrying case, you know, like like a briefcase, but you could you didn't have to open it like that. Anyway, I'd pull out a painting, a good one, you know, and that would get their interest before they could get mad and say, you know, and then I would pull out the four by sixes, and that's how I found a, a nice dealer, and I made friends with her, her name was Josephine, and it was a complicated Italian name was Andracchio. But and she would she would sell pictures for me. Things tourists liked, you know. I never sold more than oh let me think. I guess I sold around ten or twelve a year, maybe fifteen, you know, sometimes more, sometimes That's a better than a lot of artists these days. And then it was it was mainly because it would it would help me uh, w with expenses because because mother told me that I had to live within my income. She got disability and VA benefits for me in 1989, I think. Yeah, and she said you have to live within the your Social Security and your VA. And the v I inherited the VA because I was in the hospital when I was a before I was an adult. So I inherited the childhood. And uh, anyway, so that was a little extra. Because, you know, traveling, I, I used to take buses all over the place. You know, I'd have my briefcase with, the, with, that's why my paintings, are, the paintings I used to donate were so small, you know, because I like to be able to carry something small, right? Yeah, it was an adventure, because I can remember sometimes, uh, you know, they want to drive me to my hotel, and, and so I give them the name of the best place. The Peabody or something. Oh, that's Memphis. Yeah, because I I, con I I concentrated on the 
southern states and, you know, Texas and Florida naturally because I lived here. Because mother lived in Laurel, Mississippi. So so uh, naturally I would go to places that near me, right? I kind of worked my way out. Oh, and of course, St. Louis and further up. But I, then I'd sneak out the door and go and stay someplace cheap. Or even, or sometimes I slept at the bus station. Wow, those bus stations in those days. I couldn't do it again. But uh, now sleeping in an airport's fine. But but those bus bus stations in those days, the dregs of humanity were there. Indeed, yes. Now I'm I'm actually interested in. So when you were 17, you suppose you had a nervous breakdown, and then you were diagnosed as schizophrenic. I liked it. That 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 one's gone out of fashion now. Right, but, and they're just terms, you know. It's kind of like when you can't think of any other word, you know, you just say okay. Because when you think about it, how many mental illness type terms can you think of? There's schizophrenia, there's paranoia, and but I got to be, but but most people get labeled paranoid. Like if you watch movies, I mean, it sounds worse than it is. Because whenever you see, that's another, you know, the standard plot, like on a detective show or a, something like that, it's always, oh, he is a paranoid schizophrenic. And that's always the guy that, the Norman Bates type guy. If they gave him a, a, a medical diagnosis, it would be paranoid schizophrenia. Because that's about the only one anybody knows, you know. <laughs> well, no, no, wait, hold on. I, I'm actually asking because my brother was bipolar. And I, and I know, and I've heard that also you've been sort of, maybe you were actually bipolar from the beginning. I don't even know what that means. You know, I, I got a vague idea, but I, I don't believe these terms, they're terms. They go in and out of fashion, you know, Indeed. and, uh, you know, I mean, other people seem strange to me. I mean, I can't, I can't understand why people, people go out of their minds over football games and things and. I agree completely. They get so wound up about politics and things. Gee. I don't want to talk about politics. No. I'm still reeling from Trump. But anyways, my my interest is because my brother was bipolar. And so I'm fascinated about, was that? That term was a term that I don't, I, I don't remember even hearing it until. It used to be called manic depressive. Yeah, that one I can remember hearing, yeah. Manic depressive sounds worse because it because that it's this political correctness stuff. See, manic depressive sounds real bad, you know. Like if you mm -hmm. say, "Oh, so so and so is a manic depressive," it sounds like well, it sounds like they're crazy. But that takes care of the manic part, and the depressive part kind of makes it like so. It's a crazy suicidal person. That is the picture they liked to paint of them. Yes. It just, it's just a term. Well, I'm wondering from your perspective, though, like, did the did that, but the thing is, is to you, it's normal, but like, did it ever like help you or hinder you kind of thing? Like what, you know, was it? Oh, well, the Manager Foundation was good to me. I didn't appreciate it, but that was because I was a teenager. See, it wouldn't have because, you know, I didn't tell anybody <laughs> you know, see, I, I left the Manager Foundation against medical advice and. And they told my mother, they told her that I'd be in institutions and group. I was in a group home in 89 and 90, yeah. I was in a hospital, you know, when I was a teenager. I was in two. 
and anyway, but I, I wanted to leave and they had to let me go at the time because, but it was against medical advice. They told me, yeah, I still, I've shown people, I showed Jennifer and Sam and, and said, said they predicted that I'd be in, in institutions and group homes the rest of my life. But I managed to, to get by. But but now the Meninger Foundation, I, I really respect them because they predicted my immediate future really well. They said that I'd never graduate and they, they, they said I'd never be able to keep, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're predict, their predictions for my immediate were very, very accurate. I was in the hospital again, just a little bit, you know, then I, I had to come back and that, this because I was in San Francisco. This was in 89. Okay, so so like people would have known after 89. Yeah. Gee, I'm sorry I did that. Now, look, you just tell me to be quiet if I start running on. Because I'm like the Count of Monte Cristo. I don't talk to as many people as I used to. The point of this is to hear your stories. So I, I'm not going to cut you off. <laughs> so what were we talking about? We were mental illness, right? Yeah. yeah, we were just talking about like just whether or not like there's a long history of mental illness in art history, music, literature, all this mm -hmm. kind of like stuff. I mean, it's it's a very common thing that people mm -hmm. with mental illnesses either are creative, and so the question is sort of like, was it because of it that you became creative, or was it that you're creative and you sort of em embraced the mental illness as sort of part of it? No, not at all. In fact, that's something I never would have really thought about. No, I I believe that, that that's that's kind of complicated. No, I, I think I think it's just like anybody. You know, I started out copying pictures, just like I told you, just like all kids do, right? And then I had the idea to to impress my mother. That's true. Now I did decide that I I was something of a prodigy. As, as far as drawing and everything, I'm not as good as I used to be because things are different now. But nobody's asked me to sit down and draw their portraits since the 80s, you know, so I, I couldn't do it again. I have to practice. Oh, yeah, I wanted to be, be a commercial artist when I, I wanted to work in, oh, I don't know, you know, maybe Disney or something. I, I don't know. But now when I was at the Chicago Art Institute, I, 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 did, I did have a part-time job. There was an... An animation studio. This was this is way back on seventy one. Oh, but it was so boring. You did photography back then as well. Well, yeah. Well, I took photography because because I thought, look, I'm going to school, and and I ended up at the Chicago Institute because it was well, it wasn't so much my mother's idea. See, mother was kind of like Mrs. Drysdale. I mean, she she was always deferring to whoever the most socially prominent person was. And there was a lady in Jackson, Mississippi called Myra Green, who was a, a, a good artist, actually, a society type artist, you know. Anyway, mother deferred to her because now this lady took an interest in me. So it, yeah, it actually was her idea that I went to the Manager Foundation because of that, they, the University uh, Medical Center Psychiatric. They had the upper two floors. And anyway, they didn't know what to do. I was there for so long. Then it was her idea to go to the Miniature, because the Miniature Foundation was fashionable and everything. So I went there. I was there for a year. And then I wanted to, I wanted to leave. They wanted, yeah, okay. 
I'm sorry to run on, and I wanted to leave because I was tired of being here. And and also we needed me need because of the benefits from dad. They couldn't, need, but they wanted me to go into some kind of other place. Uh, but they had something to do with anyway. But I said no. Look, I want to go to school, and so I ended up going to the Chicago. I would have rather have gone to the Kansas City Yard Institute because because they had a a, a pro where you could work for Hallmark, but anyway, but mother deferred to Mrs. Green, so I ended up because Chicago Art Institute was fashionable and famous. Okay, now the painting class in those days, the school was really irresponsible. Okay, it was like run by hippies and all the students, they didn't even grade people. And the painting class was, you know, it's like we just want we want you to interpret this. You know, they didn't teach you anything. And I was thinking, well, gee, you know, I'm going to school. I should try and learn something. So, so I, I decided to start studying photography. Of course, that didn't do me any good because all that stuff's obsolete now. I resent that. I'm a photographer. <laughs> yeah, well, well, good for you because I've had people tell me things like, well, you can do all these things, you know, digitally. But so you probably learned how to use things like an eight by ten and stuff like that right yeah I but did. and like even if it is true that you can do all these fantastic things but i i remember yeah dan winters have you ever heard of him i have okay he told me that's true but they don't have a soul i know that sounds kind of melodramatic but that's what he told me that's what he told. And, and there's something to that you know that there it, is it somehow it affects your the artistry you know, it makes a difference. Maybe not. You, I don't know how to put it in words, but I guess you would know what I mean if you're an artist yourself, right? I do completely know that. I mean, there's a huge difference between a photograph that's made with an analog process, a film, a Polaroid, anything like that, yeah. versus a digital. There's a somewhat of a almost a coldness to to the digital works. Yeah, but yeah, it, it is definitely missing something. That well, these days, of course, you can put it back in with like manipulations and things like that. But there is a. It's still not the same. And also, it's not. besides, things happen by accident and they happen unintentionally. If you're trying to do something, it'll be a disaster. It's okay. They gave me a subscription to the Criterion Channel. I was listening to some of the movies where they have commentaries. The people that made the movies are okay, okay, and, and like I listened to the commentary on a movie that everybody's seen. It's the most famous horror movie ever made. It's called Night of the Living Dead. Okay, and they were all sitting there talking about how they had no money, and they had all these. All they were thinking about was was problems with money, continuity. But now you know people teach all these things. Like okay, I remember one of the things was like. Professors in colleges say, oh, this is such a comment on s s civil rights and this and that and this and that and so on. And what happened was they said we hired, I forgot his name, but we hired him because he was the best actor. It was the best deal because, you know, he worked for free and he'd bring his own lunch. That's why they hired him. You know, it had nothing to do with him being black or anything. And then one of the, I think it was Judith O'Day, she, she, she chimed in and said, and you know, I mean, it, it's great that, that all that happened. But see, if we had been trying to make a civil rights statement, we wouldn't have done it because cause, cause we'd have been trying and then it would have, wouldn't have worked. 
and the movie would be forgotten and everything, you know. And it was like not having money made them all be creative. So it helped them, you know. It's true. I mean, one of my favorite artists is um, uh, Henry Darger. Do you know his work? No. He died probably, I want to say, in the 60s or 70s. But he was uh, he was a un- completely untrained artist. And he, he was a, a janitor in the school system in Chicago. And he just made for himself. And he never even thought of it as art. And, and now it sells for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, I know. And that's... There's something wrong about that, you know. Yeah, well, you know, I never sold anything either. But I sell stuff all the time now. But that's because of Jennifer and Sam and everything. Well, are you still working? Are you still creating stuff? Did I send you that picture of me with all those those girls holding their portraits? You did. Yeah, right. Okay, well, yeah. Cause I owe all that to Jennifer and Sam, and they're making that movie and everything. And then again, also, there's a TV show here called Hometown. It's on HG. Mother used to watch that now, HGTV. We all watch HGTV. We you love do? it. Oh, my Absolutely. goodness. So you've seen Hometown then? Probably. Oh, yeah. Well, it takes place where I live. I was on one of the episodes. Oh, I may have seen you. Yeah, I was on one of the episodes. Yeah, I painted her daughter twice that did me a lot of good you know so lots of so i so i sell stuff all the time you know i owe it all to jennifer i was alone i always say i was a lonely old shut-in when i got into trouble i was thinking gee what am i gonna because i was kind of thinking i was gonna spend the rest of my life traveling around being a philanthropist and and then you know when i got into trouble and everything and think i was sitting in here this little room and I did what you said. I closed the door and black. Well, I closed the blinds. I don't have any curtains. But, you know, thinking, what am I going to do now? I can't just watch TV the rest of my life. And, and then they showed up. And, and now I get to talk to people like you. Well, I have to admit. Okay, wait. So let's go back a step. I have to admit, your your entire thing of sort of donating to art museums and all this, I love it. Yeah, well, but it was an accident, you know. It was it, just like I said, if they'd have just said, thanks a lot. I am not judging and criticizing in any way whatsoever. I think it's excellent. I mean, it's in many ways, it has, it's actually helped a lot of things because it's encouraged more conversations about like what makes for originality is talent the the reason for things to be in museums and all this kind of stuff when it comes to the people that work in museums i mean they don't care about the pictures or i mean they they don't know nobody knows all they know about is this the other stuff like the paperwork the provenance the it's like if you get the signature right you know you could you could show them anything literally anything you know if you got the right paperwork that's all they know you know i don't know it's like i don't know how to i'm not articulating that it's they, they don't know the, the picture they know the other things the paperwork the provenance the the can the references i remember there was this scan a famous you remember that fame the famous scandal with that that ugly statue the Cezanne statue this family of forgers in the UK, and but I think the the one that ended up going, 
going to prison for about a year or something was oh Jeff forgot his name but anyway what they did was but they they worked on this for years and the interesting thing is is that the statue itself it, it, it's just it's an ugly piece of junk you know they just you know and they, they just poured coffee over it and everything but the stuff that went before it is a masterpiece and that's what's so interesting because like nobody ever sees any of that you know what i mean like nobody would have seen that gallery receipt they they forged this beautiful gallery receipt from like from some gallery in paris it was like a 1900 gallery receipt you know and it was a masterpiece and it's interesting that i mean the real work of art is something nobody ever sees you know what i mean from my understanding, you made art and then you just sort of donated it, and that's fine. Did you ever make f like f fake provenances also? Oh yeah, but yeah, I wasn't as good as that. No, no. Listen, I'm just a. I'm, for one thing, there there really is something wrong with me because I I don't have that kind of patience or application, or or any no no. And that's one of that was one of the jokes I used to like to tell kids. You know, like when I used to get to go to Q&As at universities and things. Because we got to go on an NEA tour with the movie. And, like, we went to some good schools. We went to Emory. And um, anyway, but, like, that was one of my standard jokes was, gee, I didn't know Rembrandt used acrylics. Do you get that one? I did because he does not use acrylics. They, they all liked that one. You know, no. Yeah, but, but what I did was, okay, in the beginning I didn't have to, you know. I mean, they, I just told them. I, I got this at, at Phillips in 19. I'll, I'll send you the catalog or something like that. Or you can look at it. I, I forgot what I said, you know. Or maybe they didn't even ask me. Because cause I remember in the beginning, they used to just accept it right off, you know. I guess I made a better impression than you'd think, you know. Now, later on, I had to, I had to do a little work. But what I used to do was I had a stack of old Sotheby's and Christie's catalogs and what I do is I just sort of make Xeroxes and I could kind of paste up something, you know, and then take a picture of my fake and then, and then, you know, glue it all together and then, you know, do another Xerox and say, oh, here's a copy of the catalog. Catalogs this place and that place. But of course, you know, you're, you can come get it. It's stuff, who knows what I said. But, and that was usually good enough. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't have done anything complicated like forging a 1900. Well, but going back to it, you said that you did it because you to try and sort of impress your mother. Did it work? Yeah, it did. I did. She was pleased. She was pleased that I memorialized it. And you know, I kept memorializing Dad by giving icons to churches. When I went to the Chicago, back to the Chicago Institute, we went to see Cardinal George, and we gave him an icon, and we got a beautiful. Mother loved that letter. It was all about how that he was going to mention Dad in a mass or something. I don't. I can't remember. But, I mean, if you want me to, I, I can send it to you. No, it's not that big a deal. But that's an interesting thing. My father is uh, an Episcopal reverend. And, and so I found it interesting that you chose to be a, pre, a Jesu Jesuit priest. Is that right? Well, yeah. But, see, I got that idea. I was watching TV. I, mean, I, I, a lot of, I got a lot of my ideas from TV. I guess a lot of everybody's like that, I guess. Indeed, yes. TV and movies plagiarize life. They plagiarize, as I like to say, TV and movies plagiarize life, and life imitates TV and movies. I know young people that talk like 
like young people on TV shows, and they talk like young people on on TV shows that were that are old TV shows. You know, like I know you know one. He's the son of a, who talks like one of the characters on a TV show that was in the nineties. You know, but anyway, so life imitates, but TV plagiarizes. But anyway, what we're we talking about. The fact that my father's a priest and you chose to you to be a priest. How to get the idea? Yeah, yeah. Hey, guess what? You're the first one that's ever asked me that. Just kidding. Seriously, no, I was no, going to say no. no, no everybody's no, asked no. you that. That's one of the. I was expecting that one. Yeah. Um, no, I was watching. Uh, I was watching a movie. It was called The Swan, and it had Grace Kelly and Louis Jordan and Alec Guinness and. But anyway, her uncle was a priest. And I thought, hey, wealthy, prominent families. And, and it wasn't, it was, that was just the one that set me off because I, I had seen, you know, films and TV shows where a wealthy and prominent family would have a priest in the family. Oh, no, wait, just to be clear, my question is not about how did you come to be a priest? My, my, my interest I always is wanted to be one anyway, but, but, gee, but I write about those seminaries when I was in high school and I was thinking, uh, gee, you know, this sounds pretty bad. You know, <laughs> I don't, it's, it's not, they sounded really, those seminaries sounded really bad, you know. My father enjoyed his time there. I'm glad, but they sounded bad to me, okay. And, and besides, everybody's different. Well, but my interest is not just in the choice of being a priest, but why Jesuit? I learned everything I needed to know from watching the Father Brown the the old the old ones the ones with Kenneth Moore the good ones the ones I remembered watching on PBS way back and well well they were made by the BBC in the early seventies but I watched them on PBS in the in the early eighties and I thought gee he inspired me and I learned how to how to act and talk like a priest from watching those and I used to help people too because people because you know people would come up and ask you talk to you about their problems and things. I had all kinds of help. And after I got some practice, I had some, I, you know, I worked up some reassuring things to say to them. And, had to sell it, right? Well, well, that's good. I was at a bus station and there was this real nice Mexican family. I mean, and like everything that they had in the world was in cardboard boxes you know, and, and they needed to go someplace. And I watched all their things for them for, for almost an hour. And then I blessed them and they got on the bus. Isn't that nice? It is. It's always nice to do good for others. Yeah. Now, moving forward, though, so like, what is it you're, you sort of hope at this point to, I don't know, like, you're known for this sort of this act that you did. Is that sort of what you want to be known for? Gee, I haven't really thought about it, you know. I'm not used to thinking like that. Uh, see, see, for one thing, I've always found it's best to have realistic ambitions. Because, like, I remember when I was at the, the manager, I just, I wanted to be a commercial artist. I wanted to work for Hallmark. Which is completely realistic. Yeah. I never I never had any plans to, I mean, I never had any ambitions to be somebody, a big artist, you know, a famous one. An artist, artist. Like those guys you see on TV. No, I wanted to be a humble illustrator. I was thinking I'd like to do paperback book covers and things like that, maybe. 
but then again, my ideas my ideas were kind of obsolete because I got them from from old movies. Like I remember seeing a movie where they were at some place where where there was a, an artist, an an old guy from Europe, and he's doing the covers. I know you're not old enough to remember, but you've seen them. You know, they used to have pulp magazines and pulp paperbacks, and and the the the, the old magazines used to have real lurid covers. You know, like like there'd always be like like some space monster, and he'd be kidnapping some really beautiful girl with hardly any clothes on. You know, but she'd have a little bubble space helmet sometimes, sometimes not. And then there'd be the guy coming to, the, you know, Buck Rogers or somebody like that, stuff like that. Or you know what I mean? Yeah, he was painting something like that. And I was thinking, gee, I'd like to have a job like that. I never daydreamed about being the artist in Paris with the beautiful, glamorous model lying around without any clothes. You, you've seen lots of movies with artists like that. I never dreamed about being an artist like that. No, I wanted to be the illustrator one. But I really used to want to be the, the big, rich art collector. That was the best one. Well, actually, but that brings up like what happened to some of all these works? So, like these works that you donated, what, were they destroyed, returned to you? Like what happened to them? Well, most of them are sitting around in basements. Because once the museum has something, now they did they they may have deaccessed some things, like they'll sell them or something, or who knows. But I mean, you know, they'll sell them as what they are. You know, obviously. Otherwise, it, they'd just be down in the basement because museums have lots of junk in their basements, you know, because they're always reappraising paintings. You know, they'll, they'll discover that, well, we misattributed it or that was by his student or by his imitator. Oh, yes, this is a good painting. Oh, hey, did you hear that? We got a good painting here. No, no, no. It's, it's a painting by Nathaniel Good, the imitator of wood, whereas a wood is, whereas a, a Grant Wood is good, a Nathaniel Good is no good. So whereas a wood is good, a good is no good. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> so they do that all the time. They're always misidentifying things and like, you know, when, when they decide some misattributing, you know, and then the picture will drop, you know, it's like a huge plummet and, and then they put it in the basement or something. So museums are full of stuff, and that's where, where most of mine are. And then again, some things got sent back, but I never ended up with them because I used to use mail drops, you know, mailboxes, et cetera, and stuff like that. And, you know, of course, once I closed it, it would end up there, like the dead letter thing or something. So who knows? You know? Now, occasionally, people have gotten in touch with me where things have surfaced, Okay, somebody in England wrote with a, a picture that was donated to him. They wanted to know if I'd done it. You know, and I didn't do that one. But but now another one did surface. And I said, oh, yeah, I did that. I remember doing that. You know? It surfaced and what? It just somebody bought it at a yard sale? Well, hopefully it wasn't a yard sale. I mean, <laughs> they, they, bought, they didn't really say. They just said somebody wanted to know if, if I'd done this painting. They bought it, but they didn't say where or anything. And anyway, they didn't write me directly. They wrote the lady that managed my, manages my site. Yeah. I guess I answered that question. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people are saying that, like, 
Look, again, I'm just working off of what I can find on the internet about you. So oh, like, sure. people say that you stopped doing this, uh, these donations. Have you actually stopped doing that or are you still doing it? Well, yeah, because you can't anymore. I used to like doing it, but, but I can't do it anymore. I would imagine there would be some great museums. I can think of one like uh, the Outsider Art Museum in Baltimore, Maryland, that probably would love an original work of yours. Yeah, but it's not the same. I, I, I used to like doing real pictures, you know, good pictures. I don't like that kind of stuff. I'm I'm kinda I'm kinda like people have asked me what kind of art I like and I and I always say I like Victorian paintings. I like cute children and and things like that and, and yeah, anything yeah, Victorian style things. I like proper pictures. Do you feel any regret about anything about doing this? Hmm? No. Okay. Good grief. My conscience shirt. Good grief. No. I mean, I love that you were able to do all these, you made all these works, you donated to museums and somehow just through pure luck didn't break any laws in doing it. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so. I didn't really think about that either. As far as close calls, a couple times I could tell, but people below, you know, underlings, like, I remember, like, but they, I could tell, like, a couple of times, maybe one of the curators was, didn't like me and was suspicious and everything, but he or she was afraid, well, it was, actually, the case I'm thinking of was, she was afraid to say anything to the director, because you know, because the directors are like dictators, you know, you're afraid to, they're like the big boss, the big, you're afraid to say anything that's gonna, so, no, fortunately, I was never there when they found out, you know, sometimes they found out pretty soon, but, but, and then sometimes it took many years, and, but fortunately, I was never there when, when anything happened, so that was lucky. Indeed, yeah. I mean, I, to a certain extent, like with time and distance, like this could be like the greatest performance piece sort of like on museums and institutions ever. Yeah, people have, whenever, you know, I don't get to have as many interviews as I used to. That's why I appreciate you taking an interest in me because, cause, you know, I would do a lot of interviews way back, but now it's not all that many. Well, you're an interesting man. Well, thanks. And they told Mother I'd be in institutions the rest of my life. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, the right. That has been mentioned to me. Uh, I remember it being mentioned a couple of times before, and, and somebody else mentioned it to me last week that I was talking to. Yeah, she, she's writing a book. About you? Yeah, but I, I don't want to. She doesn't want Performance, right? Okay, if you're saying I'm gonna do a performance art, you won't. If I if I'd been the read, yeah, it's like it's like what they said in in the movie commentary, you know. If we'd been thinking about it, it wouldn't have worked, you know. So if I'd been thinking, oh gee, I'm gonna go out and do a do a performance piece by pretending to be, I probably would have gotten caught right away. You know what I mean? Or who knows? It wouldn't have worked. You know, you know what I mean. I do. I know exactly what you mean. 
it's full of paradoxes, just like the New Testament, right? You know, everything's a paradox. Yeah. Well, and there's the point that, like, if you did it with some almost quote, sort of malicious intent, or like trying to make a performance piece out of it, then it wouldn't have had. I just like being treated like a VIP, and because I never, it never happened to me before in my life. Could happen to anybody, as it seems. You know, it happened on situation comedies all the time. I remember that time when, remember when, when Mr. and Mrs. Adams pretended for Lurch's sake that he could be the bot, he could be the owner of that house and everything, and they'd be the butler and maid. Remember that? Because his mother was coming, and but they had a hard time getting getting Lurch to to go back to being the butler. He convinced himself so much that he was Mr. Not Miss, but you know, Mr. Owner of the the mansion, and they Mr. were the Adams. Yeah, yes. right. Gomez and and Morticia had a hard time. They couldn't actually, that's kind of the way that episode ended. You know, they, they, they couldn't convince him that they were trying to, but they couldn't do it. Do you remember that one? But anyway, it's the same kind of plot. Yeah. I loved the Adams family. Yes. But it's the same plot device. You know, he, he was bragging to his mother that he owned the, the place and servants and everything. And then of course she makes the visit. And so they all have to pretend Gomez pretended he was the butler and she pretended she was the maid. Well, one of the things that I find interesting is that you almost everything you've done in your entire life has almost never been for any sort of personal acclaim or personal financial gain or any sort of thing like this. I'm financially gaining now. I might be mental, but I'm not crazy, you know. <laughs> I, 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 a lot of times, simple the simple answers are like on in I think in in real not on TV but in real the person that you think that the police suspect almost always did do it, you know. Whereas on TV, it's always some complicated. Well, they got they got to fill out forty two minutes, so yeah. Well, no, but they have to make an interesting story. It's as simple as that. I wanted to impress mother. And then I'd always had poor self-esteem. And when everybody treated me like that, I just I just wanted to keep at it. Could happen to anybody. And I do, I do like to draw and paint. I like to draw and paint the kind of things that I like and my mother liked. That's Victorian type things. But then again, I used to do a lot of things for museums because they were simple. You know, like I favored modern artists because she, you know, if all you have to, it's a lot easier to just scrawl a couple of lines on a piece of paper and do a good signature than it is to do a complicated Victorian painting. John Mirren with those stupid sailboats, you know, that take like a, a couple of minutes at best. Yeah, I used to do things like that because they were easy. Yeah, oh, because because people have asked me one of the one of the questions I usually get is 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 what artist who's your favorite artist or what artist did were you going to ask me that one? No. Oh, okay. but you're welcome to answer it if you want. Okay, well, good. Well, yeah, well, the, I used to like to do to do easy artists if I could. What what constitutes an easy artist to you? Oh, any of those modern type ones. The ones I just mentioned were real easy. John Mayer and Milton Avery. Have you ever heard of them? 
Lasso Maholi Nagy, if I, he's if 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 it's the things I'm thinking of, didn't he do collages and things? And he did primarily photography based. Those wouldn't have been much of a something by him wouldn't have been much of a challenge. Some of them, no, are quite rudimentary at this point. Yeah, right. You know, back then they were quite skillful, but now they're not so much. I thought he was dead. Oh, he's definitely dead, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well. Are you still painting now? Oh, yes, I sure am. Yeah, I did. A, hey, can you see me? Yes. Oh, okay. Hey, I'll go and get, I'll go out in the hallway and get it. This one guy, this lawyer, this doctor here, he wanted a recreation of yeah, because there's a gallery here in Laurel, and oh yeah, this is good. I hope you can see it good. He he wanted me to copy a Rembrandt's Storm on the Sea of Galilee. Okay, yeah, but but he also wanted and he wanted his children's faces painted in instead of some of the disciples and I paint in this little bedroom you know because I've been I've been painting in little bedrooms all my life I've never had a studio or anything actually I I use my bed here as the I kind of sit back like this and paint and I'll sit on the edge of the bed I propped that up on a chair and did it and I, I put the paints over here on the side of the bed and yeah, I've, I've never had a studio or anything. It's kind of like the way I got started, you know, in a, in a hotel room. My mother and dad were out, you know. Well, you have gained some large amount of notoriety, whether it's, you know, well, for I mean, it's for your skill, for sure. Well, thanks a lot. I mean, you sure boosted my self-esteem. Everybody likes... You're a professor, aren't you? I am. And you've probably heard this old saw. I don't have a degree. I'm lucky to have a high school diploma because I was in the hospital. But anyway, okay, does this old saw sound familiar? Let this be taught in all the schools. Let flattery be the food of fools. Do you remember that one? I have heard that, yes. But I like flattery anyway when I can get it. Well, flattery's always nice. I, I like. I, it's hard to tell the difference between praise and flattery, but I like them both. I, I'm like most people, my age anyway, or really anybody. So, are you? You're living on your own still, right? Because you're not. I mean, you're not that old. Now, now I am, because because mother's gone. Oh, you know, I, I'm sorry, Matthew. What what do you teach? Photography. Oh, okay. Well, good for you. I enjoy it. I, but I enjoy teaching anything I can teach. Uh, like, I often say that, like, I was going to be a teacher and I just happened to choose art. So I would have taught whatever topic I ended up studying. Oh, so you're an artist too? Did you start out being, did you, did you take photography at the Chicago, I mean, the San Francisco Art Institute? I did. When were you studying there? Was this the eighties or nineties or something? Nineties. In, in yeah, got my I got my my undergraduate at the Corcoran in Washington oh D.C. You, you would have known a teacher named Linda Connor. I do know Linda Connor. She yeah. was my professor. Yeah. You know Linda Connor. Yeah. 
I get the sense Linda doesn't like me, so. <laughs> the the librarian said she was happy to hear from me again. Well, I don't, you see, because the last time I would have seen her, she was, she was young. Because, see, the last time I saw her would have been 1977. Yes, the last time I saw her would be 2000. Yeah, well, 1977 was a lot longer ago than 2000. From what I understand, she's well. I know she's a professor emeritus, but I'm not sure if she's actually still in the classroom. I don't know, but but the the librarian, his name's Jeff Gunderson. He's the lib. Oh yeah, and he found all these things. Oh, he un he because when they closed, he went through all the archives, and they had he found all these photographs of of Matisse. Matisse lectured there in the twenties. Wow. He was there for a while, apparently. I mean, not a real long time, but long enough. Yeah, I was the manager of the Diego Rivera Gallery, where that mural is. Yeah, I remember. I remember walking under that thing. That's what I mean. I mean, I don't like that kind of art. It's ugly, you know. I, I'm like my mother. I like Victorian things. See, I never really wanted to be be an artist. Artist. I wanted to be an illustrator, a commercial artist, or something. But you mentioned that now you're selling. Are you selling through a gallery? Like, how are you doing your sales now? There's a gallery. There's a site. And there's a gallery here in Laurel. That was me sitting in front at the window of the gallery in Laurel with all those girls holding their portraits. Because, see, she also has two other artists, but they're, they're artists craftsmen. And one makes toys out of you know out of wood and, and the other one makes all kinds of other things and she she makes furniture but it, it's it's furniture that they get they get from old houses that they tear down yeah i was on the show hometown you could probably find my episode if you want to i'm sure i can youtube is marvelous like that i don't know if i understand art much either but i sure am as far as people, most people my age, I'm, I haven't got much to complain about because I've got plenty to do. It's not, it's not the, what, what's it called? The creeping paralysis of retirement or something like that. Yeah. No, I'm as busy as I like to be. And I owe it all to Jennifer and Sam, the filmmakers. And I really appreciate you taking an interest in me, Matthew. Absolutely. And I, I hope you'll stay friends with me. I'll, I'll send you some, I'll email you some things. I think I emailed you my Father's Day picture, didn't I? You did, yes. Yeah, yeah, the picture of me. And the, there's lots of symbolism in that picture, you know. Because, see, Jennifer's father, he's a father of two girls. I mean, all of his children are girls. They're just, just the two girls, you know. So they're up in the corner, you know. And then the one underneath was Cinderella. And then I had a self-portrait of me as an artist in Paris with a little French girl. You, know, you saw that, right? You know. I did, indeed. Yeah. Now, you never married or had children, did you? Oh, no. Oh, good grief. No. <laughs> they predicted institutions, and my future was so you wouldn't have had to wear shades to foresee it. But, but I think I'm doing pretty well right now, don't you? You seem to be doing well. I mean, you said you're selling on a regular basis. Oh yeah. You've I've seen you've had some art exhibitions recently. 
Oh, yeah, and I'm going to go to the Norman Rockwell Museum. And I get to see everybody. I'll get to be king for a day. Maybe a couple of days. Well, Matthew, I, I really thank you for taking an interest in me. Well, thank you. I hope I make some friends with some young listeners. I hope you are enjoying and learning from the stories, experiences, and advice of our guests as much as I am. If you like the podcast, we would appreciate a five-star rating and a nice comment would be greatly appreciated. Please be sure to tell your friends to listen and subscribe also. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014. I am your host, Matthew Doles. And for more information about the podcast and our guests, please visit our website at wisefoolpod.com. Wise Fool is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunstcentrene i Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com.